PJ and I were just talking. Uh, PJ is g- gifting me a brand new golf bag for my big match against UPenn coach Gilly Lane and Rich Wade this weekend. Bill, it's actually it's been used about half a dozen times. So there is some by who? By who? Me. Is there any balls or tees in it or anything? No, it's not. I took everything out. Oh. It was empty. It was an empty golf bag. Is it, it a cart empty. bag or a? Uh... It's a stand no, bag. No. It's, uh, it's, yeah. it's it's a ping Ooh. stand bag. It's the official Yale. Really? I, after I, I'm absolutely I'm gutted. Because I was clearing out my apartment and I had this Yale golf bag here and I thought, who could possibly want a Yale golf bag? So I thought, Bill, straight away. Phoned him up and said, Bill, do you want this golf bag? He said, yeah, absolutely. Um, Five minutes after he said yes, I then went online on eBay to see what they're going for. They're going for like $250. Actually, I sold it already for three hundred. So, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> well, I was about to say, PJ, what's your friendship worth? And uh, I think well, we too late. Clearly, he's already hand- he's already handed it off to to an intermediary who is meeting me, Connor, at a McDonald's rest stop tomorrow morning at eight thirty to do the golf bag transaction right on the highway. So, it, really? uh, if you want to bring cameras to watch, I was talking to PJ before. I said. There's a lot of shady stuff that goes on at those uh, those rest stops uh, with the truck stops and all, and a lot of them are illegal. And so I think the somebody handing me a Yale golf bag may be uh, maybe the least nefarious thing that happens tomorrow at a McDonald's rest stop. So we'll see. Yeah, I like it. And where is this taking place? Uh, I'd rather not say for fear that someone may come and try to intercept said golf bag. I may try location. and get my own golf yeah, bag yeah. back. I could actually intervene this transaction prior. Pull to it off. Cut it off, cut it off. No deal. Exactly. No deal. Exactly. So. All right. But we're back. So we're ready when you are, Connor. Already packing. Come with me. I'm not really asking. We'll get away to a place where we don't know. What about this? This call is being recorded. Fans, we are back for another edition of The Roundup, catching up on the weekly headlines and results from the professional tour and college game. But we probably have to drop that for a little time period because there's no more college squash. We'll keep- pro squash. Pro squash. This is a pro squash heavy session. When Bill sent over what we're going to cover, I thought this was a little ambitious. So this might be a two-hour episode, but um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see. Anyway, how are you guys doing? We have the full band back together. I'm just so honoured. I'm back within a, a seven-day period. It's not. It's been a three-month hiatus, and now I'm kind of twice in a week. It's, I know. Um, well, it's a standing invitation, of, as I said. So we got a little bit overwhelming, but it's it's great as always. First, what more can you possibly look forward to? First thing on a Monday morning to start your week than uh, an hour, hour and a half chat with you two guys. I mean, it's my yellow paint these days. So. Oh, nicely, <laughs> nice nicely Connor. put, nicely nice. put. PJ, you did such a great job last week because a lot of times you, you, I mean, it's you're you're a star. Your name is a mar- it's a marquee oh, name, right? Nobody it, wants Bill, to stop it, please. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to hear Connor and I like they don't know who we are. We're, we're no nothing in the game of squash. You're a marquee name, but like a lot of times, you you know, you bring the big name and you, no goods are delivered. Yeah. But you delivered the goods last week. <laughs> I'm glad you now tell me that I've until this point not really produced any goods, Bill, but. It was obviously well, a reason I got that, invited back, but thanks. Well, the fact that we didn't invite you for three months might have told you something, you would think. <laughs> oh, man. We're going to have to do a whole episode on that. But yeah, no, um, I thought that was one of your best episodes, PJ. Oh, thank you. I think it was your thank best. You. I think well, it was I, your – and it was one of our most downloaded, too, so a lot of good feedback yeah. on it. So, wow. yeah, well. in- interesting. Mustafa Asal and um, uh, all, all the, the – uh, Joel Macon, all the intrigue that comes with uh, mm. with that uh, controversy uh, – uh, Keeps the clicks, keeps gets those clicks going. I'm so, sure. um, this week, Connor, uh, we actually had an actual squash tournament. Sans, sans, is that a word? Sans yeah. or sans? What sans, do you do with sans, sans, without, sans, yeah. sans, sans Mustafa Asal? Um, and am I pronouncing this right, PJ? Is is it Optasia? Yes, correct. Well done, Bill. On on the money. Yeah. And w- what is Optasia? What exactly? What is? I it? actually don't know. <laughs> uh, PJ once again contributing pretty, at the highest level. I'm pretty sure it's a software company. <laughs> oh, is it okay? The, the 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 guy who was the sponsor at the trophy ceremony like came out literally like in a t shirt t shirt and uh, and jeans and sneakers. Uh, so I didn't I didn't I assumed it was some sort of software because he looked just like a software developer would say if they said hey dress nice for the trophy presentation and he came in a jeans and t-shirt so yes i figured a, a, a software developer was possible a possibility but given that they are a sponsor we're going to take a, a quick moment to make sure we're, we're correct here so if they're looking out for uh yeah the ai technology platform for financial inclusion 
That's um, Aptasia. That's, that's what I thought. Yeah. But the important story was uh, at Aptasia, Karim El Gawad is back. And I think with all the noise going on outside of the uh, the PSA World Tour right now, I think having someone uh, like Karim El Gawad win a gold tournament um, uh, leading up to one of the biggest, made, like arguably the biggest tournament in squash coming up, the British Open, um, him winning a, a gold event is just great for the sport. I watched a ton of this tournament. He was fantastic. And him winning the event, I think, is just what the doctor ordered. Can I just quickly interrupt? You did a great name. Uh, you, sorry, you did a great job with uh, nailing the Optasia sponsor name, but it's Karim Abdel Gawad, not Karim El Gawad. Just for future, fair. just for future. Fair, fair. Just, you know. I, I appreciate That's that. All right, I appreciate that. If you're going to look into progress your <laughs> MCing career, you need to at least, we know. Uh, yeah, you, you now we know of, why you're maybe not getting as many calls. Yeah. <laughs> Friend, friends call him Karim El-Gawad, is what I'm saying. You, well, guys, don't, if, you guys don't know him as well as I do. If that's the yeah. case, then you may want to kind of do a little bit of your own research. But So, Connor, I'm going to say I'm going to say this, and we could just cut this in. Karim Abdel-Gawad. So when we do the, the editing, <laughs> just cut that in just, instead. Should we also just, should we just start from the beginning again? No, no, no. <laughs> and maybe no. give the so, give the episode what we're going to talk about. Sure, go ahead. What are we going to talk about, Connor? What well, no, you you got you sent the whole rundown. Quickly give them a little yeah. preview. Yeah. So I think we're going to talk about uh, Karim El <laughs> Abdel El Gawad and uh, his his win in uh, at Optasia, um and all that surrounded that. Uh, obviously, we have to jump into the um, Mustafa Asal. Uh, controversy yeah. and all the conspiracy theories uh, flying around. Uh, so I think that's a that pretty good Ooh, run. Sorry. It's a lot to cover. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. So let's go into it. So Karim Abdel Gawad, uh, he beat uh, Yusuf Solomon in the final uh, in Optasia in, at the Wimbledon Club. PJ, have you been to uh, – so I'm assuming – I've never been. I'm assuming the Wimbledon Club is right on the grounds of the All England Club, right, where they, the actual Wimbledon Tennis Tournament It is. Place. And again, I'm, Bill, so I'm, I'm sorry to correct you here, and I don't, I don't know why a lot of Americans say this, uh, say it this way. They call it Wimbledon, pronouncing it with a T. It's not – it's a D. It's Wimbledon. 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 A lot of people say Wimbledon, so, and I don't know why. I, I've heard so many people say it, pronouncing it with a T, and it isn't. It's actually a D. But you're right. It is within the grounds of uh, uh, SW19, yeah, Wimbledon. So, PJ, look, I was kidding. It wasn't you were you've been good on all the podcasts, honestly. <laughs> I, it's not why we didn't call you. So stop correcting everything Sorry, I said Bill. is all I'm saying. Sorry, Bill. Yeah. That's okay. But it, so it so it is there. So what's what's the scene like there? Is it like right next to the courts or is it just like in a uh like a, in a squash club, like a glass court dropped in a club, or is the glass court always there? The glass court is not always there. It's something that's uh, put up every year and Danny Lee, who is the organiser of the event, former player himself, former England top five, uh, was the head pro at St George's Club for many years. He's got a terrific following within kind of that area, the Surrey area. Um, and the, the, yeah, this, this court's kind of put up in like a disused, it's almost like a, like a tennis hall, but uh, like a facility right next door. Um, I mean, you just have to look at how busy the, the tournament is every single night. It's pretty much sold out. Uh, I will say that the squash court, when you watch it, it's so dimly lit and so poorly lit around the court. That, that just the, You only see the court lighting itself. It actually takes me back to some of the events on the Perspex courts about 30 years ago with the colourings and everything else. The court, for me personally, I think looks very tired. And it need, it's in need of, of a revamp and an overhaul. But the atmosphere that Danny, you know, he does a great job. He gets a DJ involved and there's music surrounding the, the courts, the players. Uh, again, it's that very intimate setting which we saw at Canary Wharf that the players enjoy because the fans are so close to the court. And it's a, a great environment there. That, that area, that area of Surrey, it's a very uh, logistically well-placed area because you've got surrounding counties, Middlesex, Kent, Surrey, Sussex, um, Hampshire that are, are pretty close and a, and a huge collection of squash clubs within probably 30 to 50 miles, hence the support and the crowds that you get at the tournament. So it's, um, you know, it's been a long-standing event. I think with a few more tweaks, Danny's definitely got the backing from Optasia and he's got a great relationship with a lot of the sponsors and with some 
um, fans and spectators with uh, with plenty of money in the area. So it wouldn't surprise me if we do see a bit of an upgrade. But um, great event from start to finish from for me. And this is the same event that used to be called Channel Vos, right? Channel Vos, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Channel Vos actually used to be held at. That was on purpose. That was on purpose, by the way. Sure, of yeah. course it was. Yeah, yeah. that was uh, that was actually know. held at St George's. That was on one of the courts at St. Jo- at the St George's Club. So it's a slightly different venue. I was thinking the same thing, PJ, that the yeah. I had to catch myself. I was like, wait, is this the latest event? Because the, the court made it look so tired. Like, yeah. it really looked like, yeah. you know, the early uh, knots uh, that was going on. Um, yeah. but it almost looked like a trip down. If you put it onto Squash TV, it looked like a bit of a trip down the, into the archives. A hundred percent. That's literally, yeah. I was like, yeah. wait, is this this year's? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. um, But the whole tournament was just upset city. I yeah, mean. Crazy. Crazy. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so let's 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 go through it. I mean, so we had so th- this is and and I wasn't going to do this. I honestly had said to myself, I'm not going to do it. Wait, but now I have to do it. Hang on, I hang have on, to. Hang I, ha- on. I have to do it. Hang on. Yes, you know what I'm going to do. Is you this going to be? The, is this the text? Oh message? yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. For sure. So <laughs> I, you know what? I might not be the best at pronunciation, which is absolutely fine. So you know, I'm, English is English is my first language, but, and I'm still trying to master. Can I can but, I jump in with like? Yes. Bill knows how to hold a grudge. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I was I was honestly was not going to bring this up. So uh, in in um and uh. Right before Optasia came in, uh, we got it. We got because because as we know, Squash Radio is one of the preeminent uh, uh, squash names in journalism. So we had a young, enterprising journalist journalism student um, email Squash Radio and ask for a request because and, you know, I'm just going to read it. I'm going to read it. Hi. Hope you are well. I am a student journalist at City University covering the Optasia championship starting tomorrow. I was wondering if anyone from your organization would give a short two sentence answer to the following question. What are Charlie Lee's prospect in the, in this tournament? In other words, how is Charlie Lee going to do in this tournament? Charlie Lee being Danny Lee's son, who's the wild card in this tournament. And I imagine he's like local and it's just a little local flavor for the, for the event. So Connor text PJ and I saying, Hey, anybody want to answer this question for this? So PJ, uh, Obviously knows more about squash than anyone and obviously has his finger on the pulse on where Charlie Lee's game is at. So he texts back and we send this enterprising young journalist this from PJ. In short, Charlie Lee is an up and coming British talent, but doesn't have the experience at the top level to trouble any of the top players yet. So, wow, kid probably wrote that and said, ah, it's too bad. At least they're giving him the wild card. And then Charlie Lee commences to beat at Optasia, the German champion, Rafael Chandra. And then he beats the number two player in the world, Mohamed El Shabagi. Sorry, who, so, who, who did he beat in the first round again? Uh, Rafael. <laughs> <laughs> Con- Rafael Chandra. Con- oh, okay. I like saying I like saying Chandra. Yeah. I mean, you make him sound so, Indian. So, but go, yeah, so, yeah. Well, do you, you remember Suar, like Suarez of Gosal? Of course <laughs> I do. Yeah. <laughs> So PJ, can we comment on that? Um, you can. Um, no, can you? Can you? I can. Yeah. I, listen, okay. I, I think it was an unbelievable tournament for Charlie Lee. Fantastic achievement for him. Um, I'm taking nothing away from his result against Mohamed El Shabagi, but he's carrying an injury. So I would love to see nothing more would please me than to see some British talent coming through. And I think Charlie Lee is certainly one of those potential prospects. Let's see how he does coming into the British Open or coming in, mm-hmm. coming into to the, the future events. Um, brilliant, great result against Rafi Kandra. And it, you could see by his celebrations when he, when he beat Mohammed, just, he, you know, he's just beating one of his idols. And from that initial sense of elation to then also... The realization that he's just beaten Mohamed El Shabagi, one of the game's modern modern greats, um, but Mohamed wasn't one hundred percent, and I don't mean to take the shine off of the result because it's a, and, it, and it's not Charlie Lee's fault, but Mohamed certainly wasn't uh, at, at his peak. So I'm intrigued to see how Charlie backs up coming into the next couple of events. Besides the Charlie Lee upsets, um, obviously the other besides. Uh, Go out winning the tournament. Um, Baptiste Massadi 
um, beat Marwan El Shabagi and all, then backed it up with a win over Joel Macon. So a great result, kind of Baptiste Masadi making his statement, hey, I'm here on the tour. He's kind of an interesting character to watch. I, I, I enjoy watching him. Um, he, he He's a fun player to watch. He does, he, he, doesn't, he is not afraid to go for it. That is for sure. Baptiste likes to shoot, and uh, it's always fun watching that kind of play. Uh, it's the best performance I'd seen from him against Joel Makin, actually. For the first time, I'd seen him attempt to slow the ball down a little bit and, and trade with Joel Makin. It was one of the most mm-hmm. bizarre matches that I've seen in quite some time in the previous round against Marwan El Shabagi. Both players just didn't seem like they wanted to win the match. We had this, this back and forth between the pair of them of sort of trying and then not trying. And Masotti would put these spells of play together that were just like, you know, scintillating stuff from him. And then he'd whack three in the tin. And then Marwan all of a sudden would start to try because, he, you know, he'd got his interest. And then Marwan looked towards the end of the match like he'd given up. So there was this real kind of seesaw of, of back and forth of like emotion and and quality of play between the pair of them. It was a, a really bizarre uh, match, I, I felt. Yeah. Um, I wasn't sure if yeah, Marwan was not, 100% either, but he at times looked completely disinterested. Well, Marwan, Marwan it's not the first time Marwan has, uh, has has acted like that on a court, for sure. For Masadi, I haven't seen him enough to know whether he comes in and out like that. I mean, we've seen Marwan on the biggest stages just completely flake out and stop trying, right? In Chicago, last uh, at Chicago, Windy City yeah. in February. Yeah, I mean, he, ha- he certainly has that in his so. locker, but for me, Marwan's now playing, you know, the last uh, eight to 10 months for Marwan have been some of his best in his highest level of play. So I, I, I would have sure. put him down to come through against someone like Mazzotti. But again, he didn't look entirely comfortable on the court, um, but take nothing again. But what was interesting is after that near miss from Mazzotti, the way he then backed up against John Makin, a lot of people would have had Makin as a heavy favourite. And the way, mm-hmm. just the way he, that he constructed himself from a tactical standpoint was also something that we don't, usually associate with Masotti. Always fun to see a new name like that, uh, like step to the forefront and at least get to the semi, you know, the quarters and the semis into the deeper part of the tournament and people get to see a a new player, uh, you know, coming on. Possible Marwan was a little disinterested because he's still thinking about at what point all the, he wants to let all the facts out about what happened in Houston. So question on this tournament, just taking a step back. I mean, if this was a platinum event, we'd be like upset city and like, wow, look at this versus with a gold and it's, you know, why do we think this is going on? I mean, there's so many upsets. Is it the, where we are in the season? Is it prepping for other platinum events? Like, why do you think this is... It's rare to see these kind of uh, upsets like this. Yeah, I think I, uh, my opinion is it's it's just that it's fatigue. Uh, like, so we had Diego Alias, um, you know, uh, retired in his match with Gawad. Um, we had, uh, as as PJ pointed out, uh, Mohamed Al Shabagi, a little bit some niggling injuries. Ali Farag just coming back, so you never know whether he's, you know, what does he want to like? He knows he has the British in the world ahead of him. Does he really want to go full thrust at this event? So I think I think it's a combination of, of everything that you mentioned. What about you, PJ? I'm going to have to tend to agree with Bill. Actually, I think the um, oh oh yes, oh, yeah. uh, yes. I think um, if you look at when players have their schedules, they will certainly be circling certain events with significantly more prize money and prestige. British Open will be one of those. Somebody like a Farag and a Mohammed, as much as they want to win the likes of Optasia, they'll be using that as a bit of a, a training week or to a, a chance for them to see where their game is at and not necessarily looking to peak for that particular tournament, but in two weeks' time now, just under two weeks, they're heading to Birmingham to play in the most prestigious event on tour. So whatever happened in Optasia, they would have used that as an uh, an ideal opportunity to maybe work on certain areas, Farag to get some more match play under his belt, coming coming back from his injury. Um, I don't think there'll be too much concern with the upsets. Again, full credit to the players of, that have done well in that particular tournament. That will give them a huge confidence boost coming into the British Open. But you've probably got six to eight, what I would say, major events of the year where the players will be looking to hit their crescendo and and play their best squash. And... um, Yusuf Solomon, talk about him a little bit. He he put his first gold semi, his first gold final, obviously, also. Um, He's somebody who... um, 
I see as a up and coming player, someone who could give the top. Nobody wants to see him in the he's, draw. He's basically. one of those players that we haven't quite seen him hit the, the the very top yet. But I know that he's a player that the top players don't enjoy playing against. Um, mm-hmm. Very very physical. Never really has a bad movement day. Always gets stuck in. Quite strong mentally, and the players will know that if they're going to beat him, it's it, they're going to be out there for a while and. He is, again, one of those players. He will keep knocking on the door. He'll persevere. And a few draws could potentially open up for him. He's similar yeah. kind of shape, a little bit stocky and a little bit broader than like an Abelgar. They're not particularly tall in stature, but they're, they're very... Um, right. Also, right. Uh, Tosuki, they look at, when you look at their strength on the ball, how they can hold a lunge, they're powerful, they're dynamic and, and fit. I mean, if you look at some of his matches, he, he can go the distance. A bit like a Joel Makin. He just needs a few results to go his way. Maybe evolve and develop his short game a little bit more. But again, one of those players who... It wouldn't surprise me if he, he starts breaking through into the odd semi-final and, and quarter-final semi-final. Yeah, I mean, still relatively young mm. too. Uh, 26. 26. So did you guys... Did you see his match against uh, Mazen Hashem in, in the in the semis was was re- really a great match, but you have, you have to go watch it if you haven't watched it. Mazen Hesham wore the tightest shorts I've ever seen anyone wear on court um, for a match before. It was almost like, it probably wouldn't have been allowed in Florida at this point um, to, to have to have him play. It was startling how tight his shorts were. It was like really startling, but uh, it was a great match. It, it, what it did though, because, you know, obviously uh, um, Gawad, um, made it to the final. I would have loved to have seen a Hashem Gawad final because the, the, the difference between those two is incredible when it comes to like complaining about things on court. Gawad never argues with the ref. He looks and he gives like the shrug, like uh, what me worry with his hands above his shoulders. He does that all the time. Well, meanwhile, Hashem, it's like an opera out there. I mean, I have no idea what he's talking about half the time. He review Hashem reviews caused like Hashem could hit a rolling neck and ask for a review. <laughs> yeah, it's his own it's, win, it's like, and he asked for a review. It's like he's hitting the review button even before the the referees had a chance to make a call. <laughs> it's like what? in his hands, the way he he double points his hands always to like the wall, like he's <laughs> complaining and yelling at the wall all the time. It's just absolutely hilarious. So, but let's give Karim Abdel Gawad his his coming back from his heel injury that he called one in a million. He said one in a million athletes have this. I think he just had plantar fasciitis, mind you, for 10 months. So I'm not sure if one in a million. Just, but, um, just quick, just quick. Either way. Subject, I do question sometimes who these players go and see for their treatments. I've heard three different theories about Gawad. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget, this is not to point the finger, but Rami Ashore, his career had come to horrendous end really premature end mm-hmm. because of the butchering that was done on his hamstring at, at 18 years of age. You've then got Gawad who initially was saying that he'd been told that the heel pad had the fat on the heel pad had worn right. out. So it was, there was no cushioning and no suspension there. Um, I've also heard through another source um I won't mention, I won't say who it is, but they've been told that there was some kind of, fungus or a virus um, within the hill that's eating away at itself. This is another <laughs> another rumour that I've heard. <laughs> but I've also heard, Bill, as you've just said there, it's basically a case of chronic plantar fasciitis. So, you know. Right, yeah. right. One in, one in a million. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> he, said, he, he, said, he said his doctor said he saw it, a, a case of it once in medical school 40 years yeah. ago, but hadn't seen it since. So, um, so he went to Germany. Uh, which like just like Kobe Bryant did at the end of his career and got um, what we're, what we're calling Regenekin, I believe is how you pronounce. Again, my pronunciations as we've proven today are not solid. It's either Regenekin or Regenekin. Um, it's basically a um, a procedure in which the patient's own tissues are extracted, the blood is manipulated, and then reinjected into into the patient. And it I, what it actually does, it's not FDA approved um, at this point uh, because to be FDA approved, blood can only be minimally manipulated. And I guess this goes way over the threshold of minimal manipulation of your blood. So that's Dr. Bill Buckingham uh, uh, talking about how how uh, a case of plantar fasciitis was was cured. If so, Karim Abdel-Gawad could win Optasia. Bizarre. 
So uh, wrapping that up, uh, the only other uh, little color on the outside of, um, of of that was if you guys didn't watch the uh, the final yesterday, uh, they had an opera singer come on and uh, sing opera before he's, the match. Did yeah, you, you see this, You follow him on Instagram, Opera for Sport, his name is. I've seen him do Canary Wharf. Um, really nice guy, but I've, yeah, amazing voice, amazing voice, yeah. amazing voice, yeah. Yes, yeah, amazing, but just odd, right? Just a little bit not odd. Really, right? one that gets the crowd vamped up and you know <laughs> fired up and ready for a. For a... Well, that's what da- Danny <laughs> Danny Lee said. Just that he's after the guy came out and he sang, and yeah. it was, his voice was incredible. I'm not yeah. not uh, not good, but a- after he sang, like it was kind of weird, and I watched it, and then Danny Lee got on as the MC and said, "Well, if nothing gets you fired <laughs> up for squash, then that I don't know what will." And I'm like, "Well, maybe you know, I don't know. I could think of a bunch of other things, but what, whatever." But uh, but cool event. Um, so that that's the last major men's event until the British Open. So we'll we'll touch on that um, I, at the end of the podcast. I feel like this is our most in depth coverage of a, of a gold <laughs> event ever. But uh, yeah, a lot a, it just shows a lot going a lot <laughs> happened there. So let's move on, and this will be you know we, we've obviously talked for almost thirty minutes on the on the Optasia Gold event. Um, obviously, the biggest story in squash is the Mustafa Saul suspension. It came down um, actually while we were recording our last episode. So we wanted to digest it before we talked about it. So he was suspended for six weeks, um, missing the missing Optasia, obviously, and also going to miss the British open. This is on PSA release. Okay. Saying, um, okay. So, uh, Mr. Saul was charged with two separate breaches of the code of conduct related to dangerous play incidents occurring during the quarterfinal and semifinal of the 2022 CIB Egyptian open, which was in September. So he was a suspended. Um, obviously, that has set the internet on fire, and everyone has an opinion. And um, there are conspiracy theories that are flying that are just incredible. And then his dad weighed in on that. So we'll get to all that. But first and foremost, um, on the suspension, uh, I'm just going to give my quick opinion. Hey, if he was just suspended for dangerous play, all good. You suspend him. If that's what your rules are, you suspend him. I think the PSA, though, is doing itself a disservice by letting this kind of thing drag on, uh, where just 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 with what you just talked about nobody really has any idea of like why he was suspended or when um was, was it the lucas serm hitting lucas serm in the head was it what happened at houston was it what <laughs> happened you know just two weeks ago i mean nobody knows right because it just goes on and on and i understand that there is an appeals process but that appeals process has to be speeded up it cannot drag on like this where you're suspending the number one player the uh like the marquee player of, of the PSA tour, you're suspending him and half the people are like, well, when, when is this? When did it happen? There's just, it, it, it kind of fuels the conspiracy theories in my opinion. I, I, I agree. I think, um, swift justice is, is needed. Uh, and even with the appeals process. So I know the appeals process did significantly delay cause they were ready. I don't know, a couple months ago. Um, so again, I don't particularly understand that process. Um, but I think for, if I put myself in the shoes of a saw, like he's already reconciled with the actions or what's going on and he's moved on. And then you get hit with this ban months later. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And you can't remember the incident of why that happened and the behaviors going on. I agree. I, I think the fact that he's now being punished for six weeks uh, as a result of two events that took place a year ago um, is way too long. Way too long. And since then, he's tried to tidy up his act. Has he succeeded? Jury's still out for me. I think there is definitely progress on his end, but that doesn't mean it's acceptable. I would would agree with that. I think some improvements have been made. I know that PSA have selected um, a person in particular to actually deal with the sale and try to educate him on the error in his ways and what they're trying to get out of him and how they're trying to get him to look to move and clean up his act. That has not been straightforward because um, he has, he's in denial still about some of the things he doesn't see wrong in what he's being accused of doing still. So how long this will go on? I don't know. As you said, Connor, there have been improvements on on his part, but Looking back to the Canary Wolf, I'm now starting to sympathise somewhat with him because for me, the refereeing now are starting to see things or look for things that he's doing that aren't really that bad at all. When I go back to the days when I was playing, if somebody 
you know, left a little bit of a leg out. It was down to you as an opponent to go around and try and play the ball. And you, 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 if you hit a poor shot into the middle of the court, it was down to you to then go around and try and get it. And if, if you put, were to put some of these scenarios that we're seeing highlighted now on, on social media and everything else into the days when I was playing and prior to my days, they wouldn't have even got a second look. So, you know. I, yeah, I think it's an overcorrection. Yeah. Uh, by the referees, but that's also, uh, which is almost natural because of the referees didn't know how to handle him in the beginning, and he got away with so much for so long and was able to influence um, the outcomes of matches or or players. So, I agree, yeah. it's an overcorrection. Um, so, so PJ, just curious, what you said? You said the PSA has assigned someone. Is this a PS? And you might you don't. Yeah, have to it's, it's a member of staff member or of someone staff on the outside. Actually, a kind of um, okay. <laughs> like he's a probation officer. That's, that's um, trying to help him through it, basically. Because we, listen, at the end of the day, he's a phenomenal talent. We want him in the game. He's compelling viewing. What he does right. on the court when he's playing well, he's, he's great to watch. And we, we need these kind of characters. But it, it has to be, it needs to be reeled in. He can do and does so much for the game, but he can also do a lot of damage because I've seen the effects of young juniors watching how he plays and they're trying to implement that on, even here in the US as well, I've seen it in Egypt, I've seen it in the US, where where they're starting to behave in the same manner, right. and, and that has to stop. You can't, you can't have that filtering in. So, so, so what is what is so no what is Lee Drew doing with him? No idea. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry, Connor. Go ahead. I was going to say. Um, so, with this uh, sort of ban coming out. And Bill, you, you said this, that there's controversies or conspiracy theories coming out. And it really, I, I'm mindful not to give too much air or oxygen to this stuff because it's just, yeah. it's absolutely ridiculous. It's the, the conspiracies could work if this, if his actions on court weren't clear or so uh, adverse or overt. But it's like, we can all see the evidence clear as day on court. And that is what is being... Uh, decided upon so the conspiracy theories of like the PSA doesn't want him or people don't want him there is just absolutely ridiculous so Connor let's go down the conspiracy theories and I think they were all illuminated by his dad this weekend who put who made made the post I'm of still, all I'm still Facebook reading posts. I'm still trying um, to read and, it. and just <laughs> well I, I like the translations um of a, like in all the trans uh, we'll get into the Facebook translations later because uh, a lot of them involve Allah like like they really think Ali is involved with the PSA at this point and is really focused on the assault ban based on every, um, every, every translation I've read from the Arabic of the, of the tweets coming out of Egypt. So just know Ramadan's happening right now. I'm sure Allah has got other things to focus on. And maybe after Ramadan's over, Allah will focus on the assault ban. But for now, I think, I think let's keep Allah out of this, um, or Allah, sorry about that. My pronunciations continue to be poor. Um, Asal's father said there is a major distortion campaign to prevent, uh, uh, Mustafa from having success in Egypt. And basically he says that the powers at um, Egypt squash CIB and the Wadi Dagla club are all conspiring to keep him from being the number one player in the world and from having success in Egypt. Uh, so much so that CIB has told Egypt squash that they will no longer sponsor events in Egypt. If Mustafa Saul is not um, uh, punished accordingly is, is basically I, I read through it and that's what I took from it. Um, lastly, he, he said, um, they asked him like summarize it. And he said, it's a mystery wrapped in a riddle inside an enigma is what must, uh, actually that's not what he said. That's what, um, that's what, um, uh, Joe Pesci's character said in the Kennedy assassination in the Kennedy. Just movie. like it. But sounded just, he sounded just, uh, if you guys have never, if you've never seen that movie, go just watch the David Ferris. Um, Joe Pesci has David Ferris talking about the Kennedy assassination. And that sounds exactly what, like what. Um, Mustafa Sal's dad is saying like basically every power and everything that could possibly be conspiring against them is and he he was yanking things out of the air it was I I, I enjoyed it it was very entertaining so, so first of all he is world number one uh, let's start there yeah. Um, yeah. so if the PSA was trying to do this they didn't succeed <laughs> um, I think it's it's okay that if a sponsor doesn't want to sponsor an event because of a player's actions I can understand that and his actions do rub people the wrong way. Um, so there, he, CIB or whoever else as a potential sponsor isn't alone. Even promoters are are concerned about his 
um, performances. So this is a shared feeling that um, as much as we can all like what he's bringing to the game, he has significant downsides of it's not how we want the um, squash to actually be played, like free-flowing squash. So. Oh, there we go. So that's the other part of it, the free-flowing squash. I know. I was, jumping, so, I was, I was trying to so, weave this together for you. I was trying to weave it together. I, I appreciate that. And um, before before we let PJ jump in with his his um, his his um, comments on on all these theories, the free-flowing squash stuff. I mean, even even Simon Park, like he went overboard this week. The the, the talk of free-flowing squash during the Optasia broadcast, and I mean, they made it clear that they were going to like highlight every time there was a point where there was no contact or there was a night, like a nice rally and there was no let's called. They mentioned free flowing squash as to drive home the point that when Mustafa saw plays, it's not free flowing squash. I mean, and we got it after like the first round, I got it. He didn't have to keep doing it, but free flowing squashes. Why didn't you just tweet other ways that they could phrase that? I did. I think I got a little shine on the internet where people were giving me plaudits for uh, coming up with the other version of what what FFS. Yeah. What is it? What are the other? I can't uh, no swearing. It's a kid show. No, no swearing on this podcast. So, PJ, thoughts on all these conspiracy theories, or is this just a case of somebody got suspended because he uh, he Correct. was a dangerous player who did not have terms, yeah. Everyone's going to jump on the bandwagon. Um, you know, players have been banned in the past. Certain players, for, there's no conspiracy against Mustafa Sal. Nothing would – we the game needs somebody like a Mustafa Sal, and nothing would please them more than to have him just tidy up his act. It's quite simple. Just clean up your act. Get on and play how you can play. And – the world would be a better place for it, and it's as simple as that. You know, you get these people jumping in. We, Joey, and I have been on the receiving end of some horrendous. I mean, that, the squash stories at times is just, uh, is just, it's, it's an absolute disgrace. We've been accused of being racist with our commentary, and goodness knows, knows what. Uh, but it's certainly not a conspiracy. It's PSA. This is not a personal thing with Mustafa Sal. They're trying to help him. They have done over the last couple of years. It's not being absorbed. It's not being taken on board by him. And until the day comes where he starts to accept and, and continue to clean up some of his issues, these bands will just keep coming. The, uh, the PSA are not going to back off. They've made it very yeah. clear. They've made their stand. And whether this is Mustafa Sal, whether it, you know, whether it's whoever it is that comes up with that kind of movement and behaviour, um, they're going to stick to their guns with it. And I, 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 I agree with it entirely. I, I also want to, um, like I said at the beginning, like giving even the fact that we're giving airtime to conspiracy theories just shows that you know it's, it's probably not the right thing. And let me paint some numbers here. Um, so this article, which we saw in Squash Mad, which was released yesterday, so has been you know twenty four hours ish. Uh, at the bottom, there is a petition that you could sign, um, launched over to to get rid of the unjust ban uh, to the PSA. And did you guys already peek at no. this and see how many players no. have signed it or people have signed it? How many? Like tw- like not many, right? Five hundred and seventy three. Right. I think they're looking for a hundred thousand. So, um, it's, <laughs> they're, la- they're lagging. I, I signed it a couple of times with a couple of my burner account names. The, I also, I, so I, I think mean, it so, just goes down to that. There is a vocal minority that mm-hmm. is willing to say that, yes, this is a conspiracy theory and look out how unjust this is versus, you know, just, just for the record, this, this kind of the behavior and the issues with Mustafa have been going on since he was 16 years of age. This is nothing new. This is this is an ongoing issue that they're trying right, right. to resolve, and they're getting closer. They, they are. It is getting closer. We're not quite there yet, but yeah. And I, I think they're probably dreading the fact that uh, you know years ago that look, this kid is going to be number one player in the world because if he was number ten in the world and number fifteen in the world, no one would care. Like literally, no one would care. Like well, well, some, like fanatics would care, but like it wouldn't be getting the airplay that it is uh, by on. It it is the story. It it yeah. overshadows everything that's going on in squash right now, and it's gonna it's gonna have a cloud over the British Open. I mean, what fair or not, the number one player in the world is not playing the British Open and not not missing I, it because of injury. He's missing it because he's suspended. I, I actually disagree. I don't think it's gonna have a cloud over it. And th- this actually goes back to um, gosh, this was John McEnroe. I'm gonna get it, the specifics wrong, but generally right where. He there was for some for some reason he wasn't going to play like the French Open or Wimbledon or something like that and um, he was like taking a big stance and that's when he was he said that he was humbled 
He was the number one player in the world at the time. He was being, you know, all these other things. He's like, the sport is bigger than I am. Hmm. So the British Open's going to happen. No one cares sure. that he's playing, and he won't be on the trophy in, in the long time, uh, in the long run. I, ca- I care I, that I he's not playing. I shouldn't say no one cares he's not playing, but the event's going to happen. Sure. You know? sure. I didn't say the event's not going to happen. I just said there's going to be a little bit of a cloud over it, like a little bit of asterisk, just like when no, uh, Djokovic can't play because of his vaccine status and he, like a grand slam and he's not participating. And when the best player in the world can't participate in the biggest, arguably the biggest tournament in the world, there's there's a little bit of a cloud over it. I don't think we could. I mean, whether whether you think it's going to ruin the event, that's a different story. Yeah, I don't think it's going to ruin the event. I just <laughs> think there's going to be a little bit of a cloud I'm going to before, gonna have to disagree again there, Bill, because it's. I think the game at the moment, I, like I just feel that the way that Hassel has played, and I know the British public, they're kind of purists and they're old school. There's a lot of fans out there, squash fans, that don't particularly enjoy watching Mustafa Hassel play. So the fact that he's not in the tournament, sure, um, I don't think they'll be too fussed either way. There will certainly be Mustafa Hassel fans that will be extremely disappointed. No. And you're going to get the people saying, "Well, you know, Paul Cole wouldn't have won that event if Mustafa was in it, and, and you know, and that kind of thing." But I think there will be some squash fans that will be really looking forward to some FFS. <laughs> so, so tell me this, PJ, as far in your knowledge. So, yeah. obviously, Squash TV is owned by PSA Squash, right? And the announcers are hired by them. Uh, we'll, we'll. I don't know. Are, are you're not doing the British Open? I, I am doing it. the British Open. Oh, you are. Be there. Yeah. So, have yeah. you been instructed, or will you be instructed, not to talk about the assault controversy during the during the tournament? No, we, no, there'll be no. You can talk yeah. about talk about what you want. Yeah. In yeah. fact, are, is there anything that was ever said that don't talk about? We've never been directed to avoid any topics, really. Okay, that's good. I'm curious to no. see whether whether because this is this is a big event, and I know in you know. The, the conspiracy theories will be out there that, you know, you can't talk about it. And squash TV announcers are hired by the PSA. So they're going to have a PSA slant towards everything. And I think that was part of the reason that uh, Simon Park got a lot of flack on the internet last week, talking about free flowing squash. Cause they felt like, you know, it, he was, he was taking the PSA no. line. Up until this point, Bill, uh, I can honestly say that Joey and I have never been directed or told to avoid any particular topics of, of conversation. So going into the British Open, I would be extremely surprised if all of a sudden uh, we get told to not talk about the, the Mustafa Sal ban or... All right. Well, lastly, just just to wrap this up, so just it's funny because you read, you know, uh, obviously his dad uh, went on Facebook with the with, with the long rant, but um, Squash Site, that paragon of journalism um, that, that we all love, um, Today, their headline was that they will not talk about the Assal thing. That, that's their headline, that they're not going to discuss it. But if they were going to discuss it, everything that um, that his dad said was fake news. So they're not going to just know Squash Site's not going to discuss it. But, but if they were going to discuss it, everything is fake news and, and it, Assal is full of it. Um, the, Squash Site taking the side of the Egyptian Federation. Um, stunning. That's a stunning, stunning turn of events. So, yeah. Um one of the other quick things to add, this will be, uh, I guess, setting the scene for future assault debates is the younger assault coming through. And yes, and PJ, I don't know, do you, or do you have any? Uh... I don't have any insight on him. I know he won the did he win the US Junior Open or the British Junior Open earlier this year. Yeah. I think he mm-hmm. won the under 15 boys. The father's saying they're taking bid, like there's other countries giving overtures to the assaults about changing nationalities. And uh, his dad is saying, absolutely, at this point, absolutely not. So is, but like, I mean, who, who, is who, I mean, I actually call BS on that because it's like, I do too. I who, think it's funny. Who is doing, there's, there's no, and PJ, you know this better than I do. Um, but what federations are actually begging for this? Like, no one, no one's really that motivated. It's like they. I mean, there's, no, there's some processes behind yeah, this, it's right? Through your process, you can't represent the country. I mean, and how right. much money that would get them? I mean, it, yes. it's kind of it's kind of like you have to go down to like who benefits from the conspiracy. Not like Messi or uh, or um, going to play for another another country in soccer. No. It's, it's not not, quite, not so. quite at that. No, not quite at that level. So yeah, and 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 also if you bring on one player like that, I mean, t- to be fair, funding for. A lot of these federations are done by metal performances, how well you do, and da 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 da. Right. But right. you still need other teammates. So one person can help, but it doesn't determine the outcome. 
you need two players minimum and it's like it's not gonna be worth it right so so the last thing that i that i don't pj i don't know if you have any insight on this i know i certainly don't the um he kind of alluded to the rivalry between clubs um oh. like so wadi dagla and and mustafa's club yeah. which i'm not even going to try to pronounce because you'll mock me <laughs> for it is is there like that kind of like really really hardcore rivalry between these clubs Huge. where it would come to yeah. So does he? Yeah. So that, so that I think he's he's weighing a lot of that that like CIB is Wadi Dogly, uh, more Wadi Dogly affiliated. So is is there anything like that in England um, with, with the rivalries between clubs where it's that uh, vicious? No, not 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 to that same extent. And again, listen, there, there are rivalries between the clubs uh, over there in Egypt, and it's very very competitive. I just question to what point and what extremes they go to with that rivalry. I mean, we have rivalries with soccer clubs in the UK, um, but certainly don't have anything of that magnitude in, in the squash world. Mm. Um, I've been on club nights uh, when we were at the world champs in Wadi Degler in 2015 or 16. I can't remember when Gawad won it. Um, I've told you this story. I think there was a bunch of juniors playing. It was an under 11s night, uh, nine players in a team. And it was like World War Three kicking off down on the courts between the two clubs. It was ferocious. I'm talking almost coming to blows between the parents and the coaches <laughs> and everything. It was like a, it was a war zone. It was I've never seen it or witnessed anything like it. So I know there's a tremendous amount of rivalry between these clubs and a lot of pressures, but I don't know how low would stoop to try and crush and ruin another player. Really, it'd be like R and T against Marion. You know, they should just settle settle it on the polo field, like gentlemen, right? There you go. Yeah, it's, it's of that ilk. <laughs> so, so last thing um, uh, I want I want to say is Gianna Shia did uh, tw- had one tweet since our last um, last uh, podcast, and she tweeted, and uh, I had a, I have theories on this and conspiracy theories on this. She tweeted eight thousand eight hundred and forty two kilometers away. So she just moved to New York. So I looked that up. Egypt is a lot farther away. It's like 10,000 kilometers away. And that's where she used to live. So what do, what do we think she's talking about? Any, ide- any, any ideas? Do we have any theories? No. No? Okay. I do. Maybe from her partner? Maybe from her partner. Uh, I don't know anything about Gianna Shia's love life. I'm looking to get into that. I don't know if we should tread there. I think maybe, maybe, maybe if she makes a run at the British Open, we'll get like behind the scenes with Gianna <laughs> like, Shia. Can we um, get a kilometer update? We're just like piecing it together. <laughs> I, I, my only thought was that she's she's that's that's like she has Egypt Air Plus miles, and that's how many miles she is away from being like a medallion member. That's what I was thinking. Ooh. And so freak, frequent flyer status, another word, another use of FFS. Yeah. Oh, the there you go. Oh, nice. Thank you. I have thank you. And I have one last thing to bring up. Um, was uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but the a, a documentary coming out on uh, Jonathan Power JP. Yes, I don't have squash skills. Do you have a squash skills? Uh, I don't. PJ? PJ? I don't. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. So none of us are going to see it. <laughs> so let's, let's next week, let's, let's pretend we watched it and we'll have a, a Jonathan Power squash skills um, uh, review. Should, we, should we get Jethro on here and then ask for like, oh yeah, wouldn't it be great if we watched it? <laughs> think we could get free, free, uh, free logins? I'm looking forward to it. I'll tell you that much because I think well, he's. Um, well, yeah. I mean, this was. I, boy, I, I was going to say, like, I was. Um, I do, in, on average, I do like watching a lot of these documentaries. Um, I do too. But it, but this one just hit a different uh, level for me. Like I was like, I'm very excited to see it. Um, but PJ, like, w- 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 what uh, what makes you excited to, to watch this one? Uh, I played against him over the years. I saw what he was like both on and off the court. I'm intrigued to see how he's portrayed in the documentary. Um, he was just, you know, a bit of a maverick back in, back in that era. He still is, he's, you know, he, he, uh, he's a very unique individual. I think he's got still so much to offer. Still obviously loves the game. It's great that he's done kind of a full circle because he did step away for a little uh, period of time. Um, and I'm just in, intrigued to see how it all unfolds. And as I said, how they, how they show him. Um, through the eye of the lens. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know anything about him. I know Connor's always, always, uh, always talked highly of him. So I know why Connor. You're, you're intrigued. You've always been a big Jonathan Power fan. He, he, I mean, he's certainly an interesting character. Um, P- PJ, what was your impression of him? You know, both as a player and as a person. I think he was one of the players that every now and again these players come along that 
revolutionised the game, changed the game a little bit. And when power came into into play, they went down to the 17-inch tin. And power was one of the first that I remember, especially, that started to get onto the ball early into the front two corners of the court. On the 19-inch tin, it didn't really make any significant difference to do that other than to pressurise the opponent to the back of the court because the ball was set up that much higher. With the 17-inch tin, Powell would get onto it early and take it in a lot quicker than most people. And he, he would break up your movement patterns and your rhythms more than any player that I'd experienced earlier on in my career. So a lot of players had to adapt to that. I know that the first few times that he played Peter Nickel, uh, Peter Nickel had absolute nightmares playing against power because of that chopping and changing of pace and a little bit of hold at the front of the court and, you know, giving himself a lot of options with that speed onto the ball. It was the first time a player had come along and really done that in that particular period. So, and also with his antics, he was a bit of a, like a John McEnroe type, really. He was very animated and very, very skillful and, and, um, it was it was good to be around him during that particular period because he he really for me changed the the, the landscape. And, of the and what about as a person, like in in more in retrospect? <clears throat> off the court, he was he he partied hard. He knew how to he had a good time both on and off the court. There was a there was a time when I think he lost a lot of respect from a lot of players because as he came to the twilight period of his career he wouldn't complete a lot of his matches he would shake a hand if things weren't going well and he would say that there was an injury issue that may have been the case I don't know but it became a little bit of a a standing joke amongst fellow pros that he wouldn't finish off many of his matches I don't know how many retirements he would have had if you look at some of the other players out there they may have one or two in their career but Jonathan would have had quite a few more. I know that there was also a little bit of animosity at times when he played for his country. Um, they obviously looked up to him and they respected him as a player, but Jonathan's priority would have always been his own career and his own, you know, he's very much an individual. Um, but I always had a lot of fun with Jonathan. I still enjoy talk, talking to Jonathan. His outlook on the game is very unique. Um, a brilliant mind, a brilliant swash mind. And for me, a really good guy. I, you know, I, I sort of really enjoy time spent with him. But to play him was, uh, I, he put me into some physical distress that I probably only had a half a dozen times in my career. He would stop and start a rocky movement um, in a way that nobody had done before. So, yeah. But as a person... Good guy. I, I never liked him, but I watched 21 Jump Street this past weekend, and now I like him. Is that the closer right there? That That's might it. be the closer. I think we're done. All right, guys. Thanks. All right. Thanks for listening to another show on SQR Squash Radio. We really do appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we have a quick ask. In an effort to help us grow, if you have a quick minute, please consider sharing an episode with a friend who might be interested or leaving a rating on any of the platforms that you listen to your podcast. It would mean a lot to me and the rest of the team. Thanks so much and have a great day.